Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're getting ready to talk USC football. Specifically, spring ball is starting this week. Some people want to call it winter ball, spring camp, whatever you want to call it. 15 practices before they start their off-season summer workouts at USC Trojans and the new coaching staff and some new players will all get involved on campus. Uh, 15 practices, like I said, they have a spring showcase uh, on April 6th and of course March 5th, which is Tuesday. Tomorrow we're recording this on a Monday, is when spring football starts. So we're going to do a little preview with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions for us, we're going to answer some of those too. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd like to call us or leave us a text, you can do that at the number of 424-254-9141. We do appreciate you calling in. We appreciate you texting in, emailing in, and we're going to get to all of those in just a few minutes. We're going to do some previewing stuff, though, with the coach who's on the line. How, how are you doing, coach? I am doing great. And before we get started, Ryan, I want to thank you very much for coming up to the restaurant where I do my show last Thursday. It was absolutely fantastic. You had a long day. You were down in San Diego or Vista, California, and you came on up and uh, we had a nice crowd there. And I just want to thank you very much for coming and uh, uh, reversing the roles where I have a chance to ask you questions. And we all appreciate it very much. And uh, I just wanted to do that and tell everybody, too, if you don't mind, that I'm on Instagram, and you sent out a picture. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> it's Coach Harvey Hyde. You did it. You took a picture of you and I during the show, right? And you sent it out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm getting a lot of comments on how good-looking you are. Oh, okay? Got, what about you, so, Coach? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, really, uh, <laughs> I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of a, a guy that they look at and say, who is that guy? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> But it's a lot of fun, and I just want to thank you again before we get started, okay? Yeah, I know. My, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun going up there. It was a long long day in the car, but a uh, great group of Trojan fans down in Vista, California, and then, of course, uh, at the Setabello Pizzeria, uh, where we go. Yeah, I come there a couple times a year to talk with you, Coach, and it's a lot of fun. There's a great group uh, of, of USC fans there listening to the show and watching what we do and stuff, and had some pizza, maybe a glass of wine or two. It was, it was a lot of fun, so my pleasure. Um, well, coach, we're going to, so today I thought we'd talk a little bit about previewing since spring football starting this week, going like by the position groups, just briefly over each position groups, you know, just some, some high level stuff on what you think about each position going into spring football, maybe some NFL combine talk, uh, strength and conditioning coach hire, things like that. we got some questions on all those things. So uh, I thought we'd start, uh, doing maybe like a breakdown position by position of spring football. And we can start with the the quarterback spot. Uh, you know, obviously USC has a new offensive coordinator coming in. JT Daniels, the returning starter, uh, so he's a he's a true soft he's a true sophomore. Jack Sears is a redshirt sophomore, and Matt Fink is a uh, a redshirt junior. And then you got Keaton Slovis, who so coming in as an incoming freshman, early enrollee. So he's in the mix. So they got four quarterbacks right now. Uh, in there, I know there's a lot of USC fans talking about who should end up being the guy. What do you kind of expect from this group uh, in the spring, Coach? Well, you know, when you say it's open competition, you better uh, stick with your word. And uh, because players listen to every word you say, and if it is an open competition, then immediately they start to suspect you as a new coach or as a program. So, you know, what I'm getting in just is uh, from a lot of the media side of it is JT Daniels is the guy. JT Daniels is the guy. This is what he did at modern day. This is what he's going to be great at. Well, you know, we can't, as a media, determine who's the starting quarterback at USC because we start to discourage the players that are, uh, what do you want to say, competing for the quarterback position. Plus, we're trying to convince everybody that if he isn't, what happened? So I really feel that you've got to make it an open competition. You've got to give them equal turns. Believe me, the first couple of weeks has got to be this way. Otherwise, immediately Sears, Fink, 
and these other quarterbacks say, oh, it's the same old stuff. It's not open competition. JT's the guy. They just say that. And I think it's very important with all the changes that are going on that what you say you do, because if you don't do that immediately, everybody sees it, not just the quarterbacks, but everybody on the team sees it. Yeah, no, completely. So I think that's, you know, they, they said that all the positions are open, so we'll take them at their word. We'll see, you know, when spring fall practices start, uh, how many, you know, first team reps each guy's get. Is it all going to be JT Daniels? That it's not really a competition or if it's spread around. So we'll watch for that. Uh, running back coach, uh, not a lot of bodies there. So you got Vave Malapai, he's a redshirt junior. Stephen Carr coming off, you know, he had the, the injury going into last season, missed last spring football. Uh, he's a, uh, he's a true junior. And then Marquis Stepp, uh, redshirt freshman who got some playing time last year. Keenan Kristen isn't going to be, so the, the incoming freshman won't be on campus. Uh, he's not on campus now. He'll, he'll be there in the fall. So only three running backs held. I mean, I think when we heard from Graham Harrell, he likes them, but not a lot of bodies there right now. Yeah, not a lot of bodies, but a lot of reps and a lot of ways to learn, uh, uh, the new schemes, the new blocking schemes, you just get better at what you do. I'd be happy if I was a running back. I'd be willing to run more reps. Uh, I remember when John McKay and other guys were there, the tailback carried the ball 40 times a game or whatever and ran the length of the field. Mike Garrett used to run 80 yards after, and Marcus Allen 80 yards after getting a handoff in practice. So, you know, you've got to continue your, uh, conti- uh, condition yourself as a football player and you got the more reps you get, the more things you recognize as far as linebackers, what you do on your reads, who you block, if you're a hot receiver, all the different things that you're supposed to learn in, in any offense. So as far as I'm concerned, I think they have the talent at running back. I like all three running backs, and I think that they'll fit in good if they learn the schemes and they're having fun and uh, they're not confused. And the way uh, Coach Harrell has been saying uh, – that it is a fun type of offense, but again, you still have to be a football player to play any offense. Yeah. I'm curious to see how healthy Stephen Carr is. If he's got that explosiveness back, man, he could be special catching the ball out of the backfield in this offense. Um, speaking of catching the ball, wide receiver, not a lot of bodies, a bunch of five guys at the transfer portal out of the program. Um, you know, most recently, Valus Jones uh, last week. Um, so that's, uh, you know, certainly. It's been that this position used to be really deep. Uh, I think it's really talented um, with some high end guys like Michael Pittman, Tyler Vaughn's, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. But outside of those three guys, you got Devin Williams, who I think it shut, had some uh, flashes last year. Uh, he's a true sophomore, just like Amon Ross St. Brown. Keyshawn Young, we just haven't seen much from him. He's a redshirt junior like Tyler Vaughn's. And then Michael Pittman is the uh, true senior. You got Drake London, Maneer McLean, and Kyle Ford coming in, but they're not coming in until later. And, uh, you know, Kyle Ford, you know, I don't know how healthy he's going to be even when he gets there. But to be running an air raid type of offense where you you probably have a lot of four wide receiver sets, Coach, only having five healthy, somewhat healthy bodies to start with probably isn't isn't ideal. But uh, I'm I'm curious what they do with those guys. You know, probably have to rely on some walk-ons and stuff this spring. Oh, you're exactly right. But I think you'll have better morale with your receivers than you've ever had before. Because I think the morale of the receivers were before wasn't very good because everybody had to play. Everybody came in and out of the game. No one really got a real picture. Uh, there was too much rotation going on. So, you know, you can teach by doing the right side, the left side, the tight end with the right side, the tight end with the left side to give the other two receivers a chance. I don't know if he's going to flip-flop his receivers or keep the receivers on the same side of the field. You work hash marks. You you work the middle of the field, yeah, and, and you become a rhythm, and you give them a coverage, half and half. So the left side goes, the right side rests. The right side goes, the left side rests. And then you put it together, and you get a lot of conditioning. But uh, I think it's good. I think it's good, too, because I think now I'm not – saying it's good because receivers have left or they're hurt, but I'm saying I think you'll have better morale because everybody can't, can't coming in used to think they should get the reps. I need my stats. Uh, I'm not playing. I'm not getting my turns. Well, I don't think that'll be the case this year. And the incoming freshmen, I think you've got to teach them when they come in, this is your role. And your role is your backup. 
And your role is if we can re- uh, redshirt you and still play you in four games, that's great too. But I think you get better teaching. I think you get better morale. And the first thing I would do if I was hell, I'd teach them how to run block because they all think they're going to go out there and they're going to be receivers and forget what everything else they do. So my first drill every single day would be run blocking, how to come off the ball, how to get position, how to shadow the defensive back and do all of that. Then all of a sudden the receiver's got an idea that it's not just a uh, pass offense. And I think those type of reverse ways of teaching get people's attention. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of blocking, USC's got four tight ends that'll be on the roster. Uh, So Jude Wolf is uh, the incoming freshman who's on campus. He's an early enrollee. He'll join a couple of juniors, Eric Cromenhoek and Josh Follow, and then Richard senior Daniel Matorbebe, who's just, there's always a question mark around him. He's uh, he's looks like he's going to be back. We don't know if he's going to be able to participate in spring football. I guess we'll find that out this week. And we don't really know how much the tight ends are going to be utilized or how they're going to be utilized in this offense. So this is one of those position groups that I think will be very interesting to watch this spring, Coach. Well, I think it's going to be great because these uh, tight ends are also receivers. So you're going to have them in the spring, too, to utilize as far as receivers and blocking. And, again, the same philosophy. I teach them how to block before they catch any passes. So I think it's all, all positive. And, you know, I hate to jump ahead, but in the defensive backs, they've got the shortage of talent, too. So when you work one half of the field and the other half of the field, you're able to work your secondary the same way. You got a corner, you got a safety, you got a linebacker that side, and you can do the same thing on the other side or whatever you're doing, depending on where the tight end is, or if you use both tight ends at the same time or double tight. So you teach all of this. So you get more reps and you get more looks. And uh, this way, uh, the talent, they – uh, can uh, save a bit, but yet they get better. And you've heard me always say the only way you get better in football is to play football. And again, the incoming freshmen know exactly what their role is, and uh, they're not a starter immediately, yes, but they have a role, and their role is to learn from the returners. And if the returners allow one of these incoming players to beat them out, they should play. Yeah, because the best players have got to be on the field. So I didn't mean to jump ahead, no, but I right. wanted to cover that. <laughs> that's okay. We'll get to that too. Offensive line, interesting. We saw actually Tim Drevno tweet out a picture of his offensive line group. They all had dinner. I think they were down at the beach. Um, 14 scholarship offensive linemen, but our, our shotgun Spratling noticed something, Coach. Uh, Liam Jimmins was with that group. So that's a potential position change. Maybe he was just hanging out with them, or we'll find out. Maybe he's now moved to the offensive side of the football projected starters, probably going to be Austin Jackson, left tackle, Elijah Vera Tucker, left guard, uh, you know, either, um, you know, one of the two, uh, centers, Brett Nealon, uh, or, um, Justin Dietrich. Uh, you have Andrew Voorhees coming back, likely starting at right guard. And then, you know, we'll see what happens at, at right tackle. Is it Jalen McKenzie, maybe a Clayton Bradley, uh, kind of see what happens there. What do you think about this offensive line group going in? And any thoughts if Liam Jimmins does end up moving uh, to the offensive side of the ball? Well, I think that's where he should be. I think he's more of an offensive type of player, basically a tackle. He's a tall guy, and it's hard for him to you know, cover the field from the inside. And, and he, he's just a little bit of a step slow, I would think. But yet he could uh, redshirt a year. Still got that, I think, on his calendar and become a pretty good offensive uh, tackle for the future. Not that he wouldn't be now. But as you just went through it, Ryan, and you said expected this guy at this position, this guy at this position, this guy at this position, yeah, we can talk about that. But if you're Tim Drivno, you want to let them all know that, hey, when we go out there, if a guy jumps in front of you and it's an equal rotation type of deal, it's your fault if you're not playing. Because if you're going to shine, you're going to show us all, not just me as a coach. You're going to show the rest of the players, hey, you want to play and you're not bad. Maybe no one's ever had a chance to see you in the past, but you've been watching all the time. So I don't know what type of drills or what the format is of their spring practice, but I think, too, there shouldn't be any predetermined starters. Yes, you've got to have a group that starts first tunnel and you go out and it should be a returner. I'll agree with that. But again, those 
returners, I'd like to let them know that their their position, we just had to have someone there to start practice, but all positions are up for change. And who best fits the schemes of this new offense? And I think that's very important, too. And I think it's very important, too, that somebody this year gets the snap down from the beginning of spring yeah. practice <laughs> between the center and the quarterback, okay? I really do. And that's been something they really have intended to. Yeah, uh, 100%, Coach. I agree with you. And then some of the veterans, like a Jacob Daniel, Redshirt Sr., Frank Martin, and Bernard Shermer, Redshirt, Redshirt Juniors, will they get involved? Shermer's obviously the guy that transferred in last year. Uh, see what they can do. And, and we're going to see uh, Gino Quinones. He's uh, from Hawaii. He's an early enrollee, so he'll still be there. He'll be there. Uh, we can watch him this spring. Uh, on the defensive line, Coach, maybe you lose. There's some depth there. Maybe you lose a Brandon, I mean, uh, Liam Jimmins. Uh, but you got some studs, you know, with in the in the middle, like Brandon Peely, Jay Tefele, Marlon Tui Pelotu. Um, I'm curious to see what a, a Trevor Trout can do. Incoming freshman wise, Drake Jackson apparently put on like 20 pounds, more like in 280 range. So probably at a defensive end spot. But um, I think Jacob Lichtenstein, you know, Nick Figueroa is coming in. Um, you know, what, Christian Rector, he's the redshirt senior, going to be one of the leaders of this group, the only senior on the defensive line. And a guy like Caleb Tremblay, who got hurt a little bit, and uh, Connor Murphy, we just don't see that much. I think there's some some good options for Clancy Pendergast and for uh, Chad Kay, you know, the new defensive line coach uh, for for the for this defensive line. I think there's some young and uh, it's pretty deep as far as the talent goes on the defensive line. Well, as far as and you know how I am on four stars and five stars or whatever, as far as the services say when they come in, their high school careers have all been raved about and uh, they've dominated all of these guys normally when they're with even Connor and all the rest of them. They really have. Uh, If the defensive line coach can unify this group and he's a new coach and he doesn't have any favorites anymore because he didn't recruit them and they all know that he's our guy. And uh, you know, I'm not going to, I got to prove to this new coach that I should be the starter, not that I was the starter, or I didn't play because he didn't like me. So I think it's a great opportunity for this defensive line to get better. They certainly do have the returning players. And let me let me tell you, Ryan, I talked to other coaches in the Pac-12, okay? These guys can play, okay? It's getting them in the right position to play, to take them uh, and make sure they understand what gap they take and they go the right way, and they contain, and they do what they're supposed to do. That's part of teaching and coaching. A lot of times they've been hurt in the past because two guys go to one gap, and there's a big hole. A linebacker can't cover two gaps. Or they don't go to that gap, and the guard gets up on the linebacker, and it's all over with. So part of it is making sure these players can, can execute what the defense calls for. And that's from all the outside people all the way across. So I've been told by coaches who face these teams, or USC, how good those guys really are. So I'm talking to people that communicate with me, okay? And they can play. So there's no excuse for them not being good. They would exchange right now their defensive fronts for USC's defensive fronts right now. So the job is to get these guys to play to their ability and not just to play, but be in the right spot with the right call defense. So I think that's the biggest task that has to be accomplished. Yeah. Agree with you there, coach. We'll see what the, those guys do, but there's a lot of, a lot of uh, good athletes to choose from. If you're, uh, you're running the USC defensive line and defensive front in the linebacker group, uh, it's kind of weird. You look at the, the, the way this is distributed, you got John Houston and Jordan Iosefa are seniors. John Houston's a redshirt senior. No juniors, and everybody else is freshmen and sophomores. Um, you know, some guys that saw a lot of playing time, like Pallier, Nolotote. Uh, we saw some Raymond Scott, uh, Kanai Mauga. I think, you know, he's got the potential to, to break out. Um, you know, redshirt uh, sophomores, Hunter Eccles and Giuliano Falonico. Should be interesting to watch those guys. Maybe an Abdul Malik McLean, who redshirted last year, or a Solomon Tui Alapupu. Um, though, you know, Solomon had the, the foot injury. We'll see how healthy he's going to be. And you'll have a couple incoming freshmen too. Um, Stanley to and, uh, 
and uh, Raylan Goforth, who I like a lot. Um, I, you know, so there's there's definitely some options there too. You got there's some production you got to replace with uh, Porter Gustin, of course. You know, Cameron Smith. Those guys are both at the NFL Combine. Uh, what do you kind of think about the the linebackers going forward, Coach? Well, I think they've got great talent, and I think it's really important that they get these kids on the field in the right position. When you talk about, and I can't pronounce his name, I apologize, but the Gorman uh, linebacker number one, and then the linebacker out of modern day, I think who had the injured foot or whatever he has. Solomon, yeah. Hey, those are, yeah, yeah, those are two of the best linebackers in the country now, and we knew that. So. Why can't you dominate with linebackers when you have players like that? They've dominated all their lives. They come from the top high school programs in America. Bishop Gorman High School won 10 straight state championships and plays anybody. Plays plays modern day and, uh, you know, St. John Bosco. They don't care. And same with modern day. They'll play IMG. They'll play anybody. So why shouldn't these type of players be on the field? Because they're big. They're strong. Not to diminish the ability of the others but man i'd like to see that type of force man when i came out as a center or a back or a quarterback looking at these guys eyes and they're ready to play and other players such as their ability that they have a linebacker like hufunga hey if they can play with the spirit of this guy this guy does it all the only problem that's his problem he tries to do it all and he gets suckered in there and he's playing so hard sometimes he gets beat in the coverage but if you, he'll learn that. He'll learn how to get better at that. But if you can get these backers and the coaches can coach these backers to play with that type of momentum, all of them, they're all great players. They had opportunities to go anywhere. So how can you say you don't have talent there? You got all kinds of talent. It's allowing yourself to let them play and putting them in a position where they all can win. And, they're all players. So get your four best ones and let them play as a unit and get after people. Because I don't know, Ryan, uh, I don't know who has better linebackers in the, in the Pac-12 or anywhere. I mean, look at the recruiting, the, who these linebackers are. I mean, they can play. So there's no excuses there as far as the front seven at all. Yeah. No, I agree with you there, Coach. Um, we'll see. Going forward, what you know, who ends up emerging from that? But there's a lot of options that are just similar to what we see in the defensive front. Um, but there's not a lot of options in the secondary. You already kind of mentioned this, um, especially with the spring. So three guys were in the transfer portal: uh, Bubba Bolden, Akili Ross, and then the newest one, Greg Johnson. So uh, depth in the secondary isn't great. You got redshirt senior Dominic Davis, who just hasn't done very much in his career you'll have a, a transfer Jalen Watson coming in but he won't be there until the fall uh, CJ Pollard's a redshirt sophomore so he'll probably be one of the leaders in the the secondary at safety um, you also got as, as uh, I mean he's a redshirt junior um, three sophomores two redshirt guys Elijah Griffin who played a lot uh, and then Isaiah Polamau Talanoa Hufunga uh, the true sophomore I mean he had a, a, a really good senior I mean uh, freshman season but had that collarbone injury a lot of guys are coming off injuries um, we saw Isaac Taylor Stewart. He looks pretty good. Chase Williams had, uh, you know, had the injury too. They'll have two incoming freshmen, uh, that can play in the spring. Well, they're are around in the spring. Max Williams, though, won't be able to play coming off his ACL. And then, uh, uh, you have Britton Allen who's, who's coming in too, um, from IMG. So he'll be able to participate, but there's not a lot of, of healthy bodies. I think they'll, they'll have more in the, in the fall coach. And guys probably will be healthy, and, and you're going to get a bunch of the incoming freshmen coming in. But it might be, uh, you know, there's not a lot of receivers to cover. I guess there's probably not a lot of guys to cover them either. Well, you know, you're right. Uh, you do have the talent there. You do have a lot of people injured. And uh, I don't know if there's a reason for that or not. Uh, as far as, you know, did they hit enough? Was their body been uh, accustomed to hitting? Did they just get hurt because their their shoulders or their body is not, scrimmage enough. I don't know the reason, but I'd certainly know why the hell that's happening. Okay. I'd want something. I'd want to know a reason. Okay. Figure it out. Maybe it's the shoe. Maybe it's the turf. I don't know, but I would want to find out why we have so many injuries when other schools don't. So, uh, that's a study I'd want to know uh, because it's not just in the secondary, it's everywhere. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, they've got talented players. You don't need a lot. Only four or five play at the same time. Uh, 
So I develop a unit of what you can develop a unit with. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can go half field, half field, and you get a lot of better too. You get used to working. You used to filling. You get used to getting to the deep middle. You get used to doing a lot of things the hard way. And I teach it the hard way first. If you're going to play a lot of man, I play man, man. I just make those corners learn how to cover man. Because covering man is the toughest thing to do. And once you gain your confidence in it, zone is easy. So as long as your safeties and everyone goes to the right position and reads the routes, linebackers included. So I would make sure that who we have out there gets a lot of reps and learns how to do it properly, and uh, we get better in the secondary. Anybody that can't play should be there listening. Mike, the worst thing that bothers me is when somebody's hurt and they're not even on the field at USC. You can't even find them. You say, you see so-and-so today? Where's Soldier today? He's over riding a bike. How do you learn doing that? I mean, they should be with their coach the entire time when you're on the football field. And I mean, I'm talking about every position, okay? I didn't mean to jump to this, but you see this. And we don't even know some days where some people are. They're in the training room. Well, hell, is 24 hours in a day. When you practice, you go out and you listen to what your coach is teaching, and you learn from what he just told somebody else. So I'm making a recommendation to Coach Helton or whoever the training staff is that you don't train during practice because there's no game that you're getting ready to play. You teach during the spring. So all those guys that are hurt or whatever their tweaks are or whatever are in every meeting. They're on the field dressed in their uniform, in their uniform, not shorts or T-shirts or whatever, in their uniform. And they're observing. And they only do what they can do. You don't make anybody that's hurt do anything. But you're part of the team. You want to be up there. You want to feel a part of the team. Not as far as other things in the training room. And, and Ryan, don't get me wrong, but I'm very strong on this. And you know I'm correct in what I'm saying. No, I, Yeah, no. It's, uh, don't, I'm not going to argue with you, Coach. Um, well, let's switch up. We, that, that's a good... I'm, I'm just saying... I'm just saying, this happens. You know that. Yeah. Well, how can you do? How the hell can you learn when you're in the training room? That's like missing class. How are you going to pass a test if you miss class? Yeah. That happens. Yeah, Shaka was keeping track of the, the number of, yeah, there's just been a lot of missed um, practices and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's a, it's certainly a concern. So we'll see. We're going to talk about the strength and conditioning program going forward. Maybe there'll be some changes there. Uh, before we do that, I just wanted to uh, touch on the, not not real in depth, but just the NFL Combine. So we got to see uh, Chuma Adoga out there. Uh, we got to see a couple of linebackers, Porter Gustin and uh, Cameron Smith. Um, I think today uh, they're finishing up with the defensive back uh, drills, Marvell Tell and Iman Marshall. Uh, just real quick, like Chuma Doga, seemed, I think, showed a lot of good athleticism. Um, so I think that people kind of saw, you know, I think people thought that from him. Uh, you know, there would be some times where he would take plays off. So I'm curious to see what the combine did for him. Port Augustine put up 31 reps on the, the bench press. So I think it was tied for the most of a linebacker. So that you, know, you knew he was going to do pretty well with that. Cameron Smith jumped like 39 inches in the vertical and had a good like broad jump. So he did some pretty good things in the combine. He only had 15 reps on the bench press, but some of the athleticism stuff he showed well. And uh, today, uh, I think it was, or maybe it was yesterday, Iman Marshall Ran a four five four, I believe it was in the forty. So that's pretty good for a safe for a safety for my bad for a quarter his size. I'm sure there's some talk about him playing safety. And then uh, Marvell Tell had a forty two inch vertical leap, which is pretty ridiculous. He's not going to run the forty until his pro day. I was told uh, from his agent, but um, you know, I, I thought the the five guys in the combine coach all did some some pretty good things. So uh, you know, I I don't think any of them hurt themselves in the combine. I don't know what you think. No, I don't think so. Uh, I think people expected, you know, Porter to do what he did in the bench press because he's a weightlifter. Uh, he ran, I think, 4.71 and 4.69 in the 40. Uh, as far as long jumps and vertical leaps and all that, that didn't mean much to me, okay? Uh, I want to, you know, see what they can do in pads. Uh, you know, uh, it's hard for me to judge. I like to eyeball the athlete. I think the combine is basically where the coaches to eyeball the athletes, see who has athletic coordination and 
hands and the different things. I mean, when do you run a 40 when you get in, uh, you know, get in that stance in football and uh, you're down and you throw your arm back, you run a 40, you don't do that. But it's, everyone's doing the same. So it basically shows you an approximate time, but again, you're not carrying a uniform because some players slow down more. They don't carry a uniform well. But uh, I think it's also very important to see the linemen. I think that's where my uh, biggest interest is as far as how they pursue, how they move, how quick they are uh, with their size and, and all of that. I enjoy watching that a lot, too. So, you know, I don't think it hurt any of the UCL, uh, USC players at all. But, uh, you know, uh, and uh, I think it's great that they were there. And uh, I think the number one thing Porter's going to have to worry about is is his injury background and can he make it through a season. Cameron's had some issues with that too. Same with Marvell and Marshall. Uh, there's still some question marks there, but Marshall and Chuma did pretty good in the senior bowl. I think that's helped him a lot. And Chuma's just a different player because someone's on his you-know-what before <laughs> he sort of did whatever he wanted, okay? Yeah. So so now he's starting to find out there could be a future before there wasn't. So he got smart all of a sudden. It's too bad that he wasted that talent at USC. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, some of it could be on him. Some of it could be on the coaching staff. It's hard to say, but uh, there's a lot of people that are raving about Chuma Doga saying he helped himself. So uh, he's a really nice kid. It was fun to, to cover him over the last several years, and we wish him the best going forward uh, in the, you know, his NFL career. Um, all right, we want to switch to, we're going to get into the questions now, but the first topic is about uh, strength and conditioning coach. So USC did hire a strength and conditioning coach, uh, Aaron Osmus. You remember he was at USC before, but wasn't, hasn't been working uh, in college as a strength and conditioning coach lately. Uh, we have a question from our buddy Daniel in Los Angeles. Not very happy about this hire coach. I'll play this for you and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. Uh, Daniel Los Angeles. Um, quick question for anyone who's available to answer. Um, this Aaron Osmus guy, I mean, I, I really did have to call from work when I read this because I don't, I don't believe this. Um, so did we really just hire a guy who's been uh, running CrossFit gym somewhere in Redondo Beach? Because looking at his pictures and stuff, it looks like that's exactly what just happened. Um, but just quick question. I just want to ask you or Dan, Coach, uh, this one question or a few questions. Would Clemson hire this guy? Would Alabama hire this guy? Would even UCLA hire this guy? Would Modern Day hire this guy? Would Dallas Hill even hire this guy? I don't even. Th I think um, I don't. I don't know how to go about this. What, what kind of hire is this? What did we just do? Like, was, was this guy really working in anything before we hired him? I, I, if you look at his pictures and his bio, I mean, was he? I, please uh, help help me with this one, guys. Uh, thanks. Fight on. <laughs> Well, I understand your frustration there. Uh, first of all, because if he's a local guy and he's been on the staff before, wouldn't you have hired him a lot sooner? He wouldn't even have to move or anything. I've got to locate this is the guy. He got out of it, but he's my man. He should be in here right now. So it sort of reminds me of somebody or a lot of people have turned the job down or somebody just didn't know what they're doing. And they can't get anybody. So they went and asked him to come back because – uh, when you're out of it four or five years, uh, there's a reason. Either you'd lost your desire to work in the college uh, football area, in the strength and conditioning area, because people recognize who you are, and if you're not a head strength and conditioning coach, you go to a university or the NFL that needs someone to be a great assistant. So it sort of bothers me in that type of situation of why you haven't been on the university level, because... I utilize my strength and conditioning coach a lot of recruiting. I mean, these guys want to know about what you can do for me and, and who have you worked with and what have you done with this student athlete and how many pounds he gained or speed or all the things we need to do as far as being a great football player. And they didn't utilize him at all in recruiting. He's a local guy. Coach Clay Helton knows who he was. He was on the staff when he was there. And I don't know how many years it's been but I think it's been four or five years, I'm just guessing, that he's been in uh, the world of sports or, or coaching. Yes, selling equipment, yes, that's different. So to me, that's a reach, okay? 
And I agree with you. That is a real reach, especially when you're you're here. And I think it reminds me of something. And nothing against this gentleman. Believe me. Maybe he's been holding out with all these places. I don't know. But that's a reach. And I really feel what I said is probably the truth. It was an emergency hire. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see. Um, it is curious. We we heard we had heard that there was a bunch of guys interviewed. Uh, I think with you know the it could it potentially be a short term uh, career move for somebody. I think there's some problems there. So there's I know Lynn Swan talked about stability being very important, but I think there's a lot of instability around, mostly because there's uncertainty as far as job security with a head coach, which is understandable because you know a lot of people thought there was going to be a change after the five and seven season. So, but USC has a guy now we'll see what, you know, what changes going forward. He's certainly familiar with USC. Um, and, uh, they, you know, it took a while, but, but Clay Helms got his guy and we'll see how he does going forward. Um, we had a question from Tom on the South Bay coach. He said the new offensive coach came from a small school and coached against schools that nobody heard of and players that nobody recruited. I want him to succeed, but I'm concerned about his, his experience. Can you can can uh, can this coach prepare for the likes of a Notre Dame or an Alabama? Your opinion, please. Thanks. Fight on, Tom in the South Bay. Well, as I said, you know, I'm not reading all the preseason or pre-spring hype. Okay, uh, I'm I'm reading it, but I'm saying okay, I'll wait and see uh, because I think that he's been around great coaches, and I think he was a great player. I think he's had great experience, but again, uh, it's a different level of coaching. And, and again, he's going against, uh, smarter people, big time defensive coordinators and all of the above. And I certainly think, uh, he should, I, I hope for Clay Helton's sake is the answer for this position, but we'll have to wait and see. I have to wait and see exactly what he does in practice, how he handles the kids, what his blocking schemes are. Uh, all the different things. Uh, does he really run the football? Does he utilize the tight ends? There's so many questions that I have to see yet and not just go off uh, of what uh, the media, or the raves, or, or the people he worked with. I mean, uh, that's great, but that doesn't prove to me. You know, there's a lot of guys that were uh, great coordinators that never made great head coaches. And there are some guys that are great head coaches that never played the game of football. So uh, you've got to wait and see exactly what he brings to the talent level and to the USC Trojan football program. And uh, I'm waiting. I think this is why this is uh, really uh, sort of an exciting spring to just see what is happening and what the philosophy is, first of all, in spring practice, and also how they implement all the new offense that they're putting in and, and uh, somewhat neglecting any type of discussion on the defense whatsoever. And I think if I was a diff defensive player, I'd sort of uh, be ready for spring practice to shut all this down, okay? Yeah. <laughs> because I think they really minimized the defensive hype in the media, discussions, and all the raves about the offensive coordinator rather than wait and see. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Coach. And I, I think there's a, a lot of reasons that it's good. It's good that spring football is coming around right now. And one of them from our next question, uh, because of all the guys that have entered a transfer portal this off season, I think this is one of those things that, that USC needs to do to stop the bleeding. The question was, please address the apparent problems with morale related to all the transfers of key position groups. How do you stop the bleeding coach Hyde? And, uh, I think the first step is you got to get back out on the practice field. I think that's, you know, step number one. Well, you know, you got to look at it this way. You know, when you transfer from a school or you go on this protocol, this new deal, the first guy that does it, everybody goes, oh, my. And other guys sit back and say, oh, man, let's see what's going to happen with this. Let's see what Coach Helton or the other coaches or Lynn Swan's going to think about this. And then when you give your blessings and you say, I think he's going to go on, I want to wish him the best of luck and all this and that, I think you have to do that. But then you see the next guy doing it, it makes it easier for the next guy makes it easier for the next guy. When you become the sixth or seventh guy or eighth guy, it becomes all messed Well, you know, who cares? So they all test the water and they see that if somebody's gone, it's no big deal. So they test it. And it's all because 
they all came as stars, a lot of these guys, and they didn't get their playing time and they don't like what's going on. If there's changes going on in the program that is different than when they came there, uh, you can't fool them because all of a sudden if you've been one way and you're trying to be the other way, they say, hey, man, I know who you are. What are you trying to act like somebody else? So a lot of these guys are saying before it all happens, I'm out of here. Because those are good players. Jones played a lot of football. Johnson's a great athlete at Hawkins. Really, I mean, you can't lose players like that, Levi Jones. I mean, we can go through them all, Brian. You did it the other night. There's got to be 10 guys. I mean, you can't replace these type of players when you've spent thousands of dollars recruiting them, thousands of dollars educating them, and getting them ready to play, and all of a sudden they see you later. You can't allow that to happen. You've got to have a relationship with your players. And is there a relationship where a player doesn't mind coming in and saying, hey, coach, I'm leaving? Really? I mean, uh, to me, I would look as a head coach and what the heck is going on around here? Do we have any relationships with our players or parents? Because it's all that type of relationship that makes your parents and what your players want to say. Yeah, it's it's uh they they just needed to get on the field for me, coach. There's just so much turmoil, so much going on. I think once you get out, you put the pads on, you put the helmet on. I think it changes everything. So we'll we'll see uh, what you know. Get with the new coaches. Maybe they have fun with the offense, and that kind of uh, you know alleviates some of the fears and trepidation that some of these players might have going into it. But uh, I I don't think morale would be super high right now. Uh, we'll see what it changes when you get those first couple of practices under your belt. Um, we had a couple of questions from Don. One, he first it was about the center position. He wanted to get your views on Brett Nealon and Justin Dietrich. He said Brett appears to be a very good pass blocker, and Justin appears to be a better run blocker and plays with an attitude. Does Justin look like a possibility uh, for maybe a switch to guard? Well, I I don't know. Uh... First of all, I've got to get a guy that's smart to play center because he's got to make the calls, and I've got to have a guy that can make the snap, okay? All those other amenities are uh, important, too. I like to have a guy that can do it all that's nasty, okay? I like nasty guys on offense. They just can't play defense. I like some guys on the offensive side of the ball that don't like to get slapped in the head and don't like to have other things happen and uh, will retaliate, okay? So... Uh, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of these two players, so I'm not going to be the one to make a judgment on them. Yeah, it's hard but, for where uh, we are. It's of, hard to see yeah. to see them a lot of times. No, and they're on the other side of the field, and I hope they move it around uh, and allow us to see a little bit more practice and determine what's going on. And uh, But the way the practices have been in the past, it's very difficult for us to, to see any type of work with the defensive line or the offensive line. Yeah. And when they have their clinics and different things or parents day or whatever, we can't see anything. So it's difficult, but we try to do our best in trying to evaluate. Ryan does, his staff does. I try to, of course, Ryan and his staff is there every day. I'm not there every day and uh, give you a, a real opinion of what we've seen as far as from our eyes. It's all our opinion. That's all. But I'm really looking forward to seeing from the start of practice when they walk through the door. I want to see them when they walk up the tunnel, walk in the door, how they're dressed. Are they all, do they all look like Trojans? Do they all have the same uniform on? Are they hand cut off jerseys? Some people and some people, regular jerseys, some people, white t-shirts, some people, gray t-shirts, some people, white socks, some people, whatever. I want to see if they come on the field as a team and workouts as their early outs. I want to know if they're using the same periods that they've done, their early out stretching, their early out agilities, or is it the same? Just want to see what changes there is from the very beginning. I think this is where you see, as I've always said, termites will eat the building down, okay? A lot of little things you got to clean up, and I hope that's all being done. But I like Clay Helton, but Clay's got to see the big picture, and the big picture is, is you got to win games and you got to watch over the little things, and you can't allow 
things to slip through the cracks. You yeah. cannot allow that. We got one last one from Don. Uh, do you think Clancy Pendergast needs to simplify things with so many new players on the defensive side? And do you think more players will get reps than previous years? Well, that's hard for me to say. Simplifying, I don't know what he does. It's so difficult. I think he ought to add more as far as with their defensive fronts and what they do there with those guys. Uh, you know, I think you ought to teach how to do it the tough way first. I've always said that. You teach them, you don't come after people in the spring that early. You teach them how to play a base defense. If you learn how to play a base defense, a base defense, and, you, you know, it's hard to play man with a base defense because that means your front people have got to really get after him because you can't cover a guy all day. But you run a base defense with a little zone behind it, and you see how you work those front people. You don't give them any help with your blitzes and your stunts and all the different things with your linebackers. They learn they got a role to do. You can't, you know, I used to see them come out in the second day of practice. They're blitzing. They're doing this. They're doing that. Hell, the offense didn't even have a chance. They hadn't even got their blocking rules down yet and understand what's going on. I think you got to move along together, understand what's going in, certain blitzes what's going in so the offense has a chance to work against those things. So that's an equal process of who's performing, not you're seeing things you haven't worked on. And I'm sure they do this. At least I hope they do this. But uh, I think it's important that the defense has got talent. you got to let your players play and uh, teach the hard way first, not the easy way. All right. And then we have uh, – <laughs> Jimmy, if you, if you guys – I want to tell you one thing. Yeah. One thing. I'm looking forward to seeing the punter, okay? Oh, we didn't really – I want uh, all the raves we're talking about – some guy that's my age punting, okay? And, <laughs> we didn't and, really preview. And I, and yeah, we didn't preview huh? the special team. So I'll, I'll do it real quick. Special teams coming back. You got Damon Johnson, uh, Snapper, and Michael Brown, a redshirt juniors. Chase McGrath coming off the knee injury. He's a redshirt sophomore. And then Ben Griffith. He'll be. He's actually a redshirt freshman, so he has four to play for. Uh, former Australian rules football player for seven or eight years. 27 years old, and uh, he's coming in apparently booming punts uh, this offseason. So, yeah, get your thoughts on that, Coach. Well, you know, I'm glad to see that everybody's healthy coming back. When you have as many guys on scholarship that you have on scholarship on special teams, I think you have more kids on scholarship on special teams than any other school in the country, okay? Well, you ought to be able to come up with a punter. You ought to be able to come up with a snapper. You ought to be able to come up with uh, field goal kickers and so on and punters. And I think this is the role of what they got to do. If they're not coming up with them, then obviously something's wrong as far as in the evaluation. But with all the raves, it's the same thing again. You're raving about one guy. You've got a group of people. Why rave? Now, he hasn't kicked one time for USC. So let him show us that he's a punter, okay? Let him learn. I Probably he's going to be great. I hope he is because Utah has one every year. And he's always the best guy in America. So let us see it happen. Don't tell us what it is, because all you do is set yourself up for failure. So I'm looking forward to watching that too. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. And we get the one the one thing I was going to mention. I wanted to play a voicemail for you. It wasn't so we did a show on Friday uh, with uh, Brian Bishop. So if you don't know him, he's with the uh, the Adam Carolla show that happens to be the most downloaded podcast in the world. He's a big USC fan. No, it isn't. It isn't. Ours is. Oh, Don't ours. start that with me. Here you go again. Oh, so, so there. So Adam Carolla shows just behind us. But anyway, um, we've been doing it longer than Adam Carolla. But he, it's he's like one of the biggest podcasters in the world. Brian is a Who huge is the U guy. Who is the guy? Adam Carolla. He's a comedian. Uh, he, him, and Jimmy Kimmel used to be local here on uh, K Rock. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like Jimmy Kimmel, so I like the guy. Okay. Yeah, they were partners. They did the Man Show together and all this stuff. But anyway, he was he took over for Howard Stern, and then then he ended up they like I forget what it was. They they I think they laid him off or something. But then he just started his own podcast and it became huge. He's hilarious, and Brian's like is his sidekick. Big USC fan used to post on the Peristyle all the time, but he came into the studio. And we got this voicemail from Wendy uh, wanting, the, but it came after we recorded the show. But I wanted to play it since she sent it in and uh, just let people hear it. Hey, Ryan, this is Lindsay from Privacy the Calling. I just saw the exciting news today that you were having the one and only Ryan Bishop on your show. 
don't know if it's too late to get this on, but I wanted to ask him two questions. Um, one, uh, why does he think that we're losing players to the transfer portal and really not getting anybody back? And two, can you ask him why his wife is so awesome and sexy? Because Christy Bishop is awesome and sexy. So, anyways, have a wonderful <laughs> weekend. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Sure. I, it might have been Lindsay or Wendy. I'm not sure. It was hard to tell. It was a little. Uh, it was hard to tell. It was a little muffled. But she she's a big fan of Brian's wife, uh, Christy, who I'd met in the press box a year and a half ago, along with their their baby girl, Tessa. Um, but it was, it was a fun show coach. I don't know if you got to hear it, but it was, he's a, he's a really cool dude and it was fun to have him come into the studio and he's a podcasting pro. So maybe I'll get a few tips from him. No, that's great. That's great. I remember him now because he used to, uh, be Jimmy, Jimmy Kimball's guy and, uh, Jimmy Kimball's my man. Okay. Jimmy Kimball went to all of our games at UNLV. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, uh, he, I, I, I know his family. In fact, I saw him. What's the name of that restaurant at Manhattan Beach? Petros or something like that? That's the Greek restaurant, right Petros, into, yeah. Yeah. We went in there. I went, in, went with my family, and I met him there, and we had such a great talk. And, you know, and he mentioned me to my son-in-law the other night on the show. And uh, he's just a good guy. I'll tell you, just a good, good guy. And uh, very uh, active in sports and so on. And I just like him, man. He's a good guy. He's cool, man. I watch his show purposely. Yeah, no, Jim. Because yeah. I like him. Because I like him. But you got choices, you know. You do have choices. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I remember you telling me about Jimmy Kimmel and stuff before. Yeah, but him and Adam Carolla basically, like, they were getting their start or one of their starts at K Rock on the Kevin and Bean show in the morning. Jimmy was the sports guy. And uh, Adam used to do a character called Mr. Burcham and then did a bunch of other things. But they both obviously got got huge. <laughs> <laughs> and moved on to bigger and better things, but it's cool. But yeah, it was great to have Brian on. We're going to try to do some like USC related guests that not, aren't necessarily covering the football team, but you know, they're, um, you know, they're, they, they still like the program. They're involved in the media and stuff like that. So we're going to try to do more shows like that going forward. So if you have any ideas, yeah, send us podcast at uscfootball.com. Let me know. Um, all right. Well, coach, good stuff. We went a little longer because we had to kind of go through each position group, but we appreciate all the questions and coach appreciate you coming on. Hey buddy, I appreciate it very much. And I want to ask everybody to follow both of us. I'm at coach RVI. Ryan, give yours again, but buddy, we're a team here. I'm at inside Troy. So follow us there. On follow Twitter. both of us. Yeah. Follow us there. Follow the coach, check them out. And uh, we do appreciate that. We've been doing a lot of shows lately. We'll do a bunch this week too. Uh, and I'm going to be traveling for a wedding, but we should be back to do the shows next week. So uh, this weekend I'll be on the road. So I won't see you. If you're out there Saturday, coach, I'm going to be gone uh, at a wedding out of town. But uh, so I got to miss a practice uh -oh. or two. I know it's crazy. Uh -oh. but Then we'll be back. Then it's spring foot. That's spring spring break the week after. So uh, it'll be a short kind of week for me. But um, thanks again, coach. Thanks to everyone else there for listening. We'll have Dan Weber on the show tomorrow. So send in your questions if you have any stuff for him. We'll do it right before practice starts. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.